0: And now it is a true privilege to introduce Ephraim Smith, who needs no introduction whatsoever. Good morning. It is uh, always a pleasure to be here Uh, before I get started. I know this is the time of um, taking the offering, so I just want to uh, ask the ushers to come forward. And I'll pray for that. Dear God, I just um, thank you for this church community, for the staff, the volunteers, and all the various ministries that come forth from this place and the impact that it's having not only in the Twin Cities but beyond. So I ask that you would use these resources right now to continue that effort of building your kingdom in this place And beyond. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. I'm going to be reading uh, to you this morning from the 32nd chapter of the book of Numbers. Numbers, chapter 32, beginning with the first verse. The Reubenites and Gadites, who had very large herds and flocks, saw that the lands of Jezir and Gilead were suitable for livestock. So they came to Moses and Eleazar, the priest, and to the leaders of the community, and said, Ataroth, Dibon, Jezir, Nimrod, Heshbon, Sebam, Nebo, and beyond, the land the Lord subdued before the people of Israel, are suitable for livestock and your servants have livestock. If we have found favor in your eyes, they said, let this land be given to your servants as our possession. Do not make us cross the Jordan. Moses said to the Gadites and Reubenites, shall your countrymen go to war while you sit here? Why do you discourage the Israelites from going over into the land that the Lord has given them? From this text I want to preach to you, On the title, So Close, So Close, let's pray. God, I just pray that this would be your message and not mine, that you would speak, that your word for this place would come forth to these, your children, my sisters and brothers. I just present myself to you, a living sacrifice. Speak through me, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. So close. I don't know if you know what it's like to be so close to something just to see it not happen. Have you ever been so close to fulfilling a dream, see it fade away? Have you ever been so close? It reminds me of uh, growing up. uh, I used to love to go roller skating. And growing up in Minneapolis, there was this place called the Roller Gardens. And that's where a lot of people went skating when I was growing up. And when you would pay your admission to get into Roller Gardens, they would give you a ticket with five numbers on it. And they told you that at some point in time during the night, they were going to read five numbers. And if your numbers on the ticket matched the numbers that they called out, you would win a prize. And back then, for roller skating connoisseurs like me, it was some cool prizes. I mean, like, you could get the wheels that would light up when you skate. Or, like, girls would like those little pom-poms, you know, you put on your roller skate. Or, you know, people like Rabbit's Foot to put on the roller skate. Or you could get a case to put your roller skates in. It was like they gave away all these prizes. And so every weekend, I went to Roller Gardens. I had my ticket with my five numbers. And every week... They would call the first number, and that number was on my ticket. They would call the second number, and that number was on my ticket. They called the third number, Lord have mercy, on my ticket. They called the fourth number that was on my ticket, and then they called that fifth number. I mean, I'm not bitter or anything. I'm I'm just saying They called the fifth number, and it was not the number on my ticket. I mean, not just that night, but never. (laughs) Not one time did I go to the roller gardens, and they call out all five numbers, and those numbers show up on my ticket. I was so close. I was so close. But yet I never won a prize. I um, used to have this fear roller coasters. Not that I'm in love with them now, but I really used to be scared of them. And my friends would always try to talk me into going on a roller coaster with them. And and, and what's bad is they wouldn't try to get me to go on one of those regular roller coasters that just goes up slow and down fast. I mean, they try to get me on one of those that goes upside down and around and through a cave and, you know, it's going it's going down, you know, further and faster than anything you've seen. And, you know, Sometimes I'd actually get in line to get on the roller coaster. I mean, one time I was right by the roller coaster. I mean, I could see it. I could, I could, I could see the roller coaster. It was right there in, in, in front of me, but I got too scared and I didn't get in. I was so close. I mean, I was really close. But I didn't get in the roller coaster. Have you ever been close to something? Have you ever had hopes and dreams, and you were on the verge of seeing them fulfilled, but it did not happen? Have you ever been so close? You were close to getting married, but it didn't happen. It seemed like you were so close to having children but it didn't happen. You were close to getting that promotion, but they gave it to someone else. You were close to getting that home, but somebody outbid you. You were close to getting that car, but the financing didn't work out. You were close to moving, and then you pulled back, and you didn't go. Have you ever been so close. There are people that they are living in stress. Some may be living in turmoil. Some may, I don't know what's going on in their life, but it is devastating sometimes to be so close and have some external force, have something that keeps you from fulfilling a dream. Have you ever had a promise broken? Have you ever been so close? Now, the funny thing is that that's not the problem with the Reubenites and the Gadites. Their problem is not that they wanted to get in the promised land and somebody kept them out. The issue with the Reubenites and the Gadites was not that because of the color of their skin, they couldn't get into the promised land. It wasn't because of their gender, they couldn't get into the promised land. It wasn't because of their economic status, that they couldn't get into the promised land. It wasn't because of where they were raised or where they came from. It wasn't because they were introverted. It, it, there was nothing like that. The reason why the Reubenites and the Gadites did not get into the promised land is because they didn't want to go. They didn't want to go. Can you imagine that? They didn't want to go into the promised land. Now, mind you, they were a part of a people group that had been brought out of slavery, out of bondage, out of the life they lived in Egypt where they had no rights, where they had no dignity, and God had taken them out of the land and had promised them that he would bring them into a land of justice and healing and liberation and freedom, a land flowing with the promises of God, and yet they decided they did not want to go. They said, no, that's okay, no, thank you, we're fine right here. We're we're fine. We're okay right here. Don't worry about us. Y'all go ahead, but we're all right. Can you imagine that? Now, before I criticize the Reubenites and the Gadites too much, I have to look at myself and ask myself, what's keeping me from fully living in the promises of God? What's keeping me from living out God's destiny for my life? Are there plans, are there things that God has for me that for some reason I've decided I don't want that? What distracts me from living in the fullness of everything that God has for me? Now, I'm not talking about some casino. You never get sick. You'll get rich. Everything will be perfect life. I'm not talking about that. What I'm saying is God has a promise that God is saying, I'll always be with you. I love you. I want to have an intimate supernatural relationship with you. I have plans for you, plans for your future. I want to be in every area of your life. There are blessings for you. Hey, storms will come, but I'll be with you through the storm. Nobody knows you like I know you. There are things I want to reveal to you. There's wisdom I want to bring into your life. There's grace. There's transformation. There's challenge. What is keeping you from the promise God has for you? Well, if we look here at the text, uh, we can bring out some principles of some things that kept the Reubenites and the Gadites for having a hunger and a thirst for the promised land. Verse 1 says the Reubenites and Gadites had very large herds and flocks. So the main, so one of the first reasons that they didn't want to go into the promised land is because they had a lot of flocks. They had a, lot of, they had a large herd. They had a lot of cows. That, back then, that represented material possessions. They had a lot of wealth. They had some material things, and they said, look, the reason we want to stay here is because of these cows. Look at them. Oh, we've got these beautiful cows. We've got a whole bunch of them. We've got large herds and we've got flocks. We've got these animals here. And, and, you know, because of the animals, because of our possessions, we're fine with staying where we are. One of the things you have to be careful of is material possessions can become a distraction to walking into the promises of God for your life. We need to put material possessions in their proper place. See, what happened with the Israelites, some of them, now you've got to remember, if you know the story, before we get to this point, at one time they had made an idol, they made a golden calf. Now I know that might sound silly to you today, but they took something that was a possession and turned it into a god. And because they had a history of worshiping the creature instead of the creator, that became a distraction to walking into the promises of God. Don't let your material possessions become a God. It's a nice house, but don't let it be a God. It's an okay car, but it's not a God. It's a nice job, but don't worship your job. Don't worship your resume. They're nice clothes, but don't make them God. I mean, it's just some cotton and some wool and some linen. Do not bow down to Levi. Don't bow down to Dungaree. I mean, don't bow down. I mean, it's just Old Navy. It's not a God. You don't have to, like, sing praises to it. I mean, if we'd be honest, many of us can identify with knowing what it's like when a material possession becomes more than just something we own, it begins to own us. When a job becomes more than something we go to, but all of a sudden we are now enslaved to the job, uh, we sacrifice for this. I mean, how many of us have let something material, Something earthly, something that will perish and pass away, become a distraction to the promises of God that are everlasting. Well, what else? It also says that they saw the lands of Jazeer and Gilead were suitable for livestock. Another distraction for the Reubenites and the Gadites to the promised land was they were satisfied where they were. They said this is suitable. What's wrong with where I'm at? I mean, why? I mean, if you're okay with where you are, you're not going to desire to go higher. You're not going to hunger to go further. You're not going to thirst for something more if you're all right with okay. And it said the, it didn't say the lands were great. It didn't say the land they were in was phenomenal. It said the land they were in was suitable. Some people are okay with suitable. How's your marriage? Oh, it's suitable. I mean, hey, you know, hey, I go home. How's your job? Oh, it's suitable. I mean, I get a check. It's it's okay. Hey, you got to work. So I do. It's suitable. How, How are your relationships? They're all right. How's your spiritual walk? I mean, it's okay. I'm a good person. It's so, it's suitable. Why settle for suitable when you can have supernatural? Why settle for okay when you can have extraordinary? Why have an okay marriage when you can have a marriage that is outside this world? I mean, you're communicating. You're caring. You're sacrificing. God is at the very center of this covenant relationship that you're in with your spouse. To death do us part. Why settle for suitable when you can have supernatural? God has revelations for you. God has more for you than you think. Do not sell yourself short. You are special. You are unique. When God is dwelling in you, do you know that you're more than a conqueror? You're a holy nation. You're a royal priesthood. You are a temple of the heavenly realm. Don't sell yourself short. Do you know who you are? God is looking at you, seeing more in you than you see in yourself. God is like, look, I knew you before you were formed in the womb. I put gifts in you. I put talents in you. I like you. There's something about you. I love you. That's why I gave my son on the cross to die and raise again for you. I knew you would be on this earth at this time. I like you. I like the sprite in you. There's something in you. There's something supernatural. There's something beyond just the ordinary that's in you. I don't care what people People say about you. There's something in you, don't settle for suitable. Amen. You know, I like to tell single Christians I know when you, when you want to be married and you get older, it's hard to keep your expectations high, but you need to. You know, when, when you're 20 and you're single, you have these high expectations. You know, I want her to be a Christian and I want us to share calling together and and, 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 or I want him to be this or be that. You have these high expectations. But then as you get 30 and 40 and you're still single, sometimes you lower your expectations because you're running out of patience. So you say, look, if she just has teeth, God, I I mean, Lord, they don't even have to be her teeth. She can borrow some. Just. Some tea would be nice. You know, breathing, that would be real good, God. You know, could you bring me somebody that's breathing? And so the next thing we know, we're in a relationship we shouldn't be in, or we're in a situation we shouldn't be in because we settled for less because of patience. No, no, do not settle for suitable. God doesn't want a suitable marriage for you, single Christian. God wants a supernatural marriage for you. Hold out for the best. Don't settle for suitable. Well, the other thing that became a distraction for the Reubenites and the Gadites that kept them from walking into the promised land is summed up at the end of verse 5 where it says, do not make us cross the Jordan. They said, do not make us. Please don't make us go into the promised land. Please, please, don't make us. Some people stay away from God's promise for their life because somewhere along they were conditioned that having a relationship with God was a religion that you get beat over the head with instead of a relationship that's based on grace and love and intimacy. So some people stay away from the church. They stay away from the Bible. They stay away from God because they their experience has been they've been abused by the gospel. They've been beat over the head with it. They feel it's pressure. Their idea, the thought in their mind is you do this to stay out of hell. You do this because you're such a bad person. You have to. So you have to get the promises of God because look at you. I mean, you're so wretched. I mean, you just... I mean, if I looked up sin in the encyclopedia, it'd be your picture. You, I mean, I, I mean, there's some people that that's why they reject God. The reason they reject the church is because they've been made to feel that this is something you do in response to how terrible you are, to how worthless you are. How can you live like that? Look at you. See, maybe the Reubenites and the Gadites didn't understand. It wasn't pressure. It's a promise. God doesn't want to beat you over the head with guilt and shame and force you into the promises of your life. God wants to love you into the promise. God wants to embrace you right where you are. God wants to whisper to your soul, I love you. That's why the death on the cross. I wasn't on the cross like this. I was on the cross like this. I love you. I want this promise for you. I died so that the promise could be real for you. I died and rose for your future, for your peace, for your transformation, so that your life doesn't have to be ordinary. It doesn't have to be average. It doesn't have to be suitable. This this is not pressure. It's a promise. And God wants us to freely choose the promise. God doesn't want us to be coerced or forced or beaten into it. God wants us of our own free will to respond to this love. And there's no greater love that a life would be given, that God would give his very life for us. Don't feel forced into the promise. Be embraced by it. Be hugged by it. Don't be slapped by the promises of God. Be loved into it. Well, that's the Reubenites and the Gadites. They were distracted by possession. They were distracted by settling for less. And they were distracted by thinking somehow that they were being made to go into the promised land. And not a choice of their own free will. But what about us? Could you honestly say that in every area of your life, you're dwelling in the promise? Maybe right now you are at a crossroads in your life. You feel God tugging at your heart. You feel a tugging at your soul. It, 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 does the promise mean to go to the mission field? Does the promise mean God has something more from my marriage than where it is right now? Does the promise mean I spend my money different? What does it mean to pull the distractions aside and press your way into the promise of God for your life? Does it mean a change in my attitude? Does it mean I'm finally going to have some peace to my soul? Does it mean I'm changing jobs? Does it mean I'm finally going to get a job? Does it it mean, I, I mean, what is it for you Is it pride? Is it ego? Is it low self esteem? Is it fear? Is it the reluctancy to take a risk? What is it for you that's keeping you from stepping into the destiny God has for your life? What's the distraction? And are you willing to deal with it today, to lay it on the table and say, yes, I need to place all of myself on the promise. I need to place my marriage on the promise. I need to place my children on the promise. I need to place my my checkbook on the promise. I need to put my personality, my emotions, my past on the promise. You know, I love this story in the Gospels where the disciples are in this boat. And it's storming on the waters and they look afar off and it looks like Jesus is walking towards them on the water and Peter calls out Jesus is that you if that's you Jesus call me out on the water and Jesus says come on I mean I know that's loose in the Greek but I mean it's something like that he said come on <laughs> and so Peter not Only took one foot. But come on, this this took a lot of courage. He took both of his feet, he took his whole body and placed them on the waters with Jesus. He had to believe in Jesus. He had to trust the promise. He had to trust the call. He had to put his faith on the waters of the promise. How many people God is calling you to put your life on the waters of the promises of God for your life? Maybe you know what it's like to be sick in your body, and you've gone to doctors. You've got all kinds of opinions. You've been taking your medication, and nothing seems to work. And now you have no other option but to place your sick body on the waters of the promise. Maybe it's a marriage that's here today. You've gone through counseling. You've tried to talk. You've done everything you possibly could, and now you're at your last resort. Today, you've got to put that marriage on the promises of God. Maybe it's your children. You've done everything you could do to raise them well. They've made their own decisions, and now all you can do is pray for them. All you can do is take your prayers for your kids and put them on the promises of the waters of God. Maybe it's employment. Uh, You know, the economy's gotten so funny, and there's layoffs here and layoffs there and downsizing. All you can think to do is put your career on the waters of the promises of God. I've got to put my personality on the waters of God. I have nothing else. I have no other option. I've tried everything else, and I've decided that in spite of what my friends are saying, in spite of where the culture is going, in spite of a better interest intellectual decision, I have decided through faith to take everything that I am, all that I am, spirit, soul, and body and I stepped out of the boat and I put my whole being on the waters of the promises of God. <laughs> do I have anything else. got to put this marriage on the water. It's stormy out there, but that's where Jesus is. Could it be you? Is God calling you to risk it all and put everything you have on the waters of the promise? We're going to pray. But this morning, I'm not going to say No, close your eyes and raise your hand or come forward to the front. No. This is going to take a courage step. But I'm going to say two things. One, if you have never given your life to God, if you've never repented of your sins, acknowledged that God loves you, has a plan for you, has a promise for your life, and you know today is the day for you. Today is the day that you need to step out of the boat of your own way, your own life, and live on the waters of the promise of God. Are you willing to to take both feet and plant them on the promise, on the rock of salvation? Or maybe you're here and you've been in church for years. You've been a Christian for a long time, but there's still parts of your life that it's been hard to let go. It's been hard to give over. It's been hard to trust because you've been burned so many times by people that it's hard to trust the invisible yet powerful and real Spirit of God. Is there a part of your life that you need to place on the promise. If either one of those scenarios fits you, I'm going to ask you to do something courageous because I want to pray with you right now. I'm just going to ask you simply, would you stand where you are? Would you just from your seat, would you just stand up? Praise God praise God if you know hey today's my day I can't fool around anymore I can't mess around anymore I have got to place my whole life I've got to place my children I've got to place my marriage I've got to put my career I've I, I got to take my emotions and i got to put them on the promises of God I've tried everything else but I, I want to dive into the promise oh, oh I want to take some time because I feel the spirit in this place Feel the Spirit of God in this place. Maybe there's some of you still wrestling. No, it's me. If you know it's you, if you think it's you, just stand up. Maybe there's some of you today, you need to stand in the gap for somebody somebody, maybe maybe it's somebody you know that they don't know yet. They don't know how yet, how to stand on the promise of God. And so you're going to begin to intercess for them. You're going to stand in the gap. If you know that there's somebody close to you that you need to stand in the gap for right now, and you're going to say, you know what? I'm standing up for Charlie. I'm standing up for Michelle. I'm standing up for Frank. I'm standing up for Linda. If you know there's somebody that you've got to stand on the rock, on the promise Oh, God! Maybe it's just me, but the Holy Ghost is here. There's something about standing for the only thing that's promised. The only thing that's guaranteed. Life and life to the full. Dear God, First of all, I just pray for those that are standing up, receiving you for the first time. For the first time, making the decision to live for you, to live in the promise. I pray that in their own way, that they would pray with me this prayer, that that they would pray, Dear God, I've been doing my own thing, been living my own way, but I realize that you love me so much care about me so much that you gave your true son to die but to raise so that I could have life so there could be forgiveness of my sin I thank you that without guilt and shame all I have to do is say I'm sorry I receive and accept your promise for me mold me shape me, change my life God I want to know you I want to know you. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. And I want to know my destiny. I want to know my true identity. I want to know the plans you have for me, for my future, for my success in the midst of the storm. And God, I pray for those that have stood up, that are already believers, but they need to give Everything over to your promise. Remove the cows. Remove the past. Remove whatever obstacle it is that has caused us to live outside of your promise, outside of the covenant relationship you have for us. And I pray for those that are standing up for their spouse, or for their children, or for their neighbor, or for another relative. Give us the courage and the stamina and the patience to pray daily, expecting a breakthrough, expecting a yoke to be broken, expecting a stronghold to be uprooted, expecting all principality and authority that is not of you, God, to be broken and torn down. I will not settle for suitable. I will not settle for a divided church. I will not settle for a divided humanity. I will not settle for poverty and homelessness. I will not settle for thoughts of suicide and low self-esteem. I'm standing on the promise. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. And I want to stand in my freedom. Remove the chains of slavery. I want to be free. In the name of Jesus. In the name of our righteousness, our master, our all in all, our grace, in the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. You know, you don't have to settle for average. God has supernatural for you. Don't underestimate the God in you. Don't underestimate the power of the Spirit moving through you. Don't underestimate God's plan for you. I don't care what people have said to you in the past. It may have been your own relatives. God has more for you than you think. I didn't say life would be perfect, but you have protection in the midst of the storm. You have life, and you have life more abundantly. So, brothers and sisters, as you leave today, I ask you, challenge you. Settle for nothing less than God's promise for your life. God bless you. Thank you for letting me be with you. And you're dismissed.